0: not the podcast to be listening to in the car with your kids um it's definitely not pg maybe a conservative grandmother or mother wouldn't exactly appreciate the language because i cuss a lot sorry not sorry but i do hope this brings you a little lol moment makes you think honey roller coaster of emotions hold on to your nipples we're about to enter 30 (laughs) pause. Welcome back to 30 Pause. I'm grateful that you decided to uh, click or press play, I should say. Um, it's so interesting to see how this passion project of mine has really grown. And it's interesting to see how um, it's going to be in the next season. So I'm really excited because I have a lot of, uh, a lot of things I'm planning and, um, you know, I'm going to go on a hiatus for a little bit and then she's going to come back better than ever, um, which I'm really just really jazzed, really excited about. So usually, um, throughout this, you know, creative process, what I do is like I create, um, outlines essentially or show notes, I call them, um, where it's literally just an outline of what I'm going to hit on and discuss and what have you. Um, but with this episode, I'm doing things a little differently. Um, she's, she's going rogue. Um, no, I'm kidding. I am deciding to purposefully, um, not create show notes, um, not create my outline that I typically do. Um, because I thought, well, this is going to be a show that's probably a two-parter um, because I'm going to be sharing my phases of 30-pause moments with you all. And I really just kind of wanted to get right into it. So we're not going to be releasing the particles today. We're not going to um, – I'm not going to be filling in you in on what's really good. Um, you know, we're not going – and doing those those typical thirty pause segments. I'm just gonna go straight there. So, um, kind of where I got roller coaster of emotions is really my experience, I guess, and ride of how I I started my thirties. <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of where I, I came up with that because I was such a and I you know, I'm not gonna lie, I still am a roller coaster of emotions. I'm just able to articulate and manage those emotions a lot better than I used to um so there's that so um think of this these next few episodes as uh, a roller coaster you know and we're gonna go up and you know before you go down the big hill of the roller coaster you kind of you hear that tick 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 of that roller coaster going up and you're like okay my stomach's gonna be in my mouth in like four seconds okay I got this um I love roller coasters. But that anticipation of getting up there is kind of how I want to share my story with you guys. Um so where to start? Let's just start at that tick 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 position, right? Um before I turned 30, I was um living by myself. I always have lived by myself pretty much. Um I was living by myself. I was just hustling, honey. She was... I mean, I had like four jobs. I was freelancing, teaching, bartending. Um, If you, na- you name it, I did it, you know. I lived... Um, And I had to live that way because I would just... You know, I had to make ends meet. And so I'm not shy of having multiple jobs. And I'm not one to shy away from hard work. So I was like, honey, I'm a Capricorn. I know what hard work is. I know what, I know what that entails. And it's kind of intuitively how I roll, um, especially at this time in my life. So, um, I, you know, I turned 30. I'm kind of at a point where I'm just a little, I'm floating really." You know, I've I've tried a few different careers that just didn't work out or pan out. Um, I was at a position where, you know, I was just floating. I, w- I really didn't have a direction. Um, it's funny because every time I spoke with a male that was a little bit older than me, he was like, don't worry. Once you hit 30, things really start to fall into place and make sense. And that was like... Literally the opposite of what happened to me. I felt like, well, by the time I was 29, 30 years old, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm literally just waking up and flying by the seat of my pants, um, making it work, making ends meet, but boy, am I working a lot. Um, I was getting in a lot of, you know, I guess, situationships, Um I was definitely dating people way below my standards that I have now. Um, I think out of just pure curiosity, boredom, and loneliness. Um, if all three of those uh, make sense as to what I was doing and why I was doing. Um, it was just not, I was just not really in a good, good place. So, um, that was me at 30. Everybody telling me, oh, everything's going to start to make sense and fall into place. And I was like, literally the opposite of that spectrum. I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing anymore. And it was just a lot of um, poor choices on my part. And I think my my favorite mistake, not to, you know, quote my girl Cheryl, but um, it was a costly one, too. So, I am out with a friend, a girlfriend. We are across the bridge. If you um, live in the Tampa Bay area, there's a big old bridge that separates Tampa to St. Pete. And I was in St. Pete, and I was out, and we were having cocktails. And I definitely knew that I probably had more than my fair share that I needed to. Um, but I still drove home, and. Um, I noticed that because there was a lot of street parking on the street that I lived on at the time that, you know, I couldn't like me and this big truck that was heading my way, couldn't go down the street at the same time. So I'm backing up so that he could go into the street, you know, cause when there's par- cars parked on both sides of the street, there's obviously blocks. And things like, oh, I gotta wait till this car passes so I can continue down this road. And that's what I was doing. But what I was doing was just backing up into um, a parking space because by this time it's really late and my friends passed out in the seat or in the passenger seat. And I'm just like, I need to get in my driveway. So I back out a little bit and then I was just like, well, I'm just gonna do street parking. Well, when I reversed, um, that giant truck was a police officer and right when I saw those cherries and berries I thought oh shit I've been drinking she's passed out in my seat it's 2 a.m what the fuck so I'm talking to him and he calls for backup and I was like motherfucker I'm like trying to wake my friend up that's to my right and I'm like this is not working out this is not working out his backup comes. They ask me to get out of the car. Of course, they ask all the questions. Have you been drinking? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, I'm just trying to take my friend home. You know, yada, yada. And basically, I get arrested for a DUI. Not basically, I do. And what is crazy is that I'm literally outside my house, my apartment. And I'm just like, dude, come on. I'm literally right here. I'm just trying to get her home, like, throw me a bone here, um, but my Australian accent, Florida police officer was not having it, and he was like, nope, you're coming with me, so I'm in the back of the cop car, and all I'm thinking to myself is, I cannot believe this, I cannot believe this is happening, what the fuck, I can't believe it, So, then you really start to, like, realize that you are truly in a very surreal moment, right? So, they book me, and like an idiot, I blow, because I've always heard, you know, people say, don't blow, don't blow, but when you're in that moment, I think you are just, for me, I can only speak to myself, but... When I'm in that moment, I'm just like, oh, my God, this is, I can't believe this is happening. Like, I got pulled over, and I'm now I'm in jail, and I can't do shit about it. When your freedom gets taken away from you, shit starts to get really real. So, um, yeah, that happened. They uh, took my picture. They did the fingerprints. They did it all, baby. And I was just like, I, I, mind you, I'm going in there and getting booked. And I'm in leather pants, heels, and like an off-the-shoulder top. Your girl was looking mighty cute that night. But not cute enough to not get arrested. So, there, there I am. And they make me change. And when you go to jail, you have to wear these big old granny panties. And they're, you know, very thin sports brawl. And... Honey, orange was not the new black, let me tell you. Um, But I had to change, and I had to go into holding. What's crazy about this jail is that holding is like women sit over here, men sit over here. So men were still around me, but I was in the holding where the ladies were, right? At this moment in time, I'm like... I just, they allow you to get like three numbers out of your phone. So I get three numbers out of my phone and I'm like, I just, I need to make a phone call. I need to make a phone call I need to make a phone call. Well, by this time, it's like 4 a.m. or something. I'm guessing because it's not like I remember um, the exact time. But, you know, it's very early in the morning. So, um... Nobody's really making phone calls or allowed to make phone calls. And they were doing like a shift uh, change in regards to um, their COs and things like that. So I was just sitting there. Well, when you're a nervous wreck or when I'm a nervous wreck, I should say, um, I instantly get really nauseous. So this only has occurred twice or maybe three times in my life. But when I'm like incredibly anxious, I throw up. And so, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna throw up," and I'm not one to like really throw up a lot. I rarely ever get sick, right? But I'm I'm at I'm at the jail, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna throw up. Oh, I'm gonna throw up. Am either gonna throw up right here in front of everybody, or I gotta tell the CEO that they gotta let me in the bathroom because I'm gonna throw up." So I finally get my phone call. Um, my friend that was. <laughs> passed out uh, in the passenger seat next to me, um, I call her, and she was just like, I'm not buying minutes, but I already bailed you out. So, when you're in jail, um, you can make your phone call, but then if you want to make more than one phone call, whoever is on the receiving end of that phone call needs to buy literally minutes in order for you to talk on the phone. So, I um, I actually get Um, I get her number I get my girl Jackie's number and then my dad's number and I thought dad's the last resort because he's up north it's not like he can do anything but I knew that Brianna and Jackie um, would um, would definitely answer their phone and they did so she answered her phone she tells me she she's already posted bail wonderful thank you And then I call um, Jackie, and she's like, Heather? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, girl, I'm in jail. I need you to come get me. This is Brianna's number. I need you to call her. Make sure everything's good to go with bail. Get me the fuck out of here. By this time, uh, we're getting all sorts of crazies booked, right? Right? all sorts of crazies booked in jail and I'm just like it was truly the worst eight hours of my life but now knowing what I know now the fact that I was only in there for eight hours is like an absolute Christmas miracle it's the minimum amount of time that you spend in jail when you are charged with a misdemeanor DUI like myself I just want to say also that not a proud moment at all but I share this because it's a part of my story and I can't feel any more shame or guilt or any of it anymore so there's going to be a release the particles it's <laughs> in this episode it's truly that um, you know and when we share these stories, when we share our our lows, our heartbreaking stories, our, our absolute, you know, most vulnerable times. I think that, you know, in the words of Brene Brown, she just really says it cultivates meaningful connection. And I hope I can do that by telling you all of this. Um... At any rate, back to me being in jail. So I'm able to kind of call my friends and make sure things are moving. The needle is moving and they're getting me the F out of Dodge. Um, Meanwhile, I have um, a pregnant meth addict that will not leave me alone. um, Continues to talk to me. Meanwhile, I'm going back and forth um, to and fro um, the bathroom, consistently throwing up because I'm an anxious, nervous, anxiety-ridden mess, and I haven't slept, slept, so I'm also exhausted, so all of those combined equals an absolute mess of me, <laughs> of a person, So, um, you know, I remember when they were like, oh, it's breakfast time. And I'm like, bitch, I can't eat. I cannot eat when I'm a nervous wreck. Let alone, I don't want no bologna sandwich. No, thank you. And government cheese? Oh, bitch. No. Humbling. Beyond humbling experience. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, I need to throw up again. (laughs) Because just thinking about that makes me want to throw up. So I walk over to um, the CO desk and I said, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm going to throw up again. And he goes, he gets real snippety and he's like, hold on. And I was like, I'm literally going to throw up right here if you don't let me go to the bathroom, sir. And he didn't like that. At all. So he said, well, now you're not going. Sit down. So... I'm thinking to myself, my mouth is watering. So I'm the type of person, I know when I'm going to throw up because my mouth won't stop watering. It's just like, it's, you just know that feeling, right? So I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I'm going to throw up again, I'm going to throw up again. So then, you know, they're passing out sandwiches and homegirl, who will not leave me alone. I've literally like gone up, went to another seat, sat down. She's following me. I'm like, oh, this is just absolutely unreal, right? I'm just like, I can laugh about it now, but it was literally, it was, it make, it makes for a great scene. That's all I'm going to say. I definitely would love to um, kind of reenact <laughs> this experience on screen one day, um, but at any rate, I'm thinking to myself, well, she's probably easy to convince. So, I'm going to trade this sandwich and give it to her if she allows me to use her phone call. Because not only did I piss the CEO off in telling him, like, dude, if you don't let me in the bathroom, I'm going to throw up. Um, apparently my tone was something that he did not appreciate. Um... But he was also, I tried to make a phone call right after that just to, like, get up and get away from this chick. And he goes, no, you need to sit down. So I couldn't even make another phone call. So I was like, motherfucker. (laughs) Literally. So I'm thinking to my head, all right. And, you know, you get real creative when you're in dire straits, let me tell y'all. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to give homegirl my sandwich. And I say that term loosely, homegirl. I'm going to give her my sandwich in return for her phone call. Because I've already known that she doesn't have anybody to call, which is actually very sad. But I'm thinking to myself, when you're in jail, you got to think for yourself about yourself. You have to be 1,000% selfish because it's crazy in there. It's absolutely bananas. So, I'm in there and uh and I said I said, "All right, go up and tell him." So now I'm full blown in manipulation mode. And um I admit it. That's you got to do what you got to do. So I said, "I'm going to give you my sandwich, but I have to take your phone call." And he's not going to let me. So you need to go up there and really ask him nicely if we can switch so that I can get my phone call. And she does it. And it works. And he looked at me because he knew this was probably my first time in jail. He knew. I mean, I think those people are so experienced <laughs> in these situations. He was like, okay, this little smart fuddy-duddy. Um, so I kind he kind of like looked over at me and he goes, you have two minutes. And I'm counting. And I said, yes, sir. So I gave homegirl my bologna cheese. In a apple juice that was literally in a plastic bag. And I said, here you go. Take it. And I went up, made my phone call. And then I said, sir, I really have to go to the bathroom. Because at this point, I still have to throw up. But I'm literally, I like, it came up and I choked it back down. This is where I'm at. This is my low, lowest point. Right? And I'm like, I have literally, i I'm dirt. I am dirt right now. So, he slowly, slowly, like the pace of a freaking snail, walks to the bathroom and finally lets me in. And thankfully, I'm able to throw up about two or three times, more times. Again, I can't stop getting sick. I can't eat. I'm so unwell. Truly, truly unwell. Mentally, emotionally, physically, I'm exhausted. Very unwell. So, I'd say like an hour or two goes by. And at this point, you know, I'm just literally waiting for them to call my name and they're talking about transferring people and I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't be transferred. I can't be transferred. I can't be transferred. My friends are picking me up here. How are they going to know if I'm transferred?" And then they're going to, like, you know, I've never experienced this before. So they're talking about who to transfer and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, my God. When I tell you my, all of my senses were heightened, I heard everything. Everything. Even if I wasn't supposed to hear it, I fucking heard it. So I'm like, okay, what do I do? If I get transferred, I need to, you know, I'm think I'm planning, I'm plotting, I'm scheming. Because I'm in jail. Okay? Okay. <laughs> bad bad news bears so I'm I'm like oh my god and then they go Clark and I'm like oh my god here it is I'm getting transferred because I'm fucking fresh meat and they know I'm fresh meat and they want to make me miserable and you know I'm thinking of all the things so we're going through these so I walk with this lady CEO and I walk with her and she's just like I'm going through a double door Then I'm going through another double door. And then I'm going through, and then by the third double door, I said, where are we going? She goes, you want to get out of here, don't you? And I literally wanted to hug this woman. I knew I couldn't, but I literally wanted to, like, kiss her feet and be like, thank you. Even though she had nothing to do with it. (laughs) But I was like, yeah. And she goes, well, you're going home. And I thought, oh, my God. Finally, finally. So, mind you, when I'm in holding, there are two women who are in my exact situation. You can tell they've never been there before. One woman was like, I already bailed myself out, so they didn't even make her change into oranges. And then another woman did the same thing. So, I'm like, why am I changing into oranges? Like, I could have bailed myself out. I didn't know that was an option. You know, I was like, take all my money out of my account. I have to go. But that was, I didn't know that was an option. Again, everything happens so fast. It's so surreal, you know. So, um, mind you, keep in mind, later on, for the story's sake, those two women um, got booked around the same time I did. So, I'm getting released. So, honey, I am stripping down into, you know, nothing. You get real naked in front of them, too. And I was like, I just thought to myself, I really don't have a whole lot of shame Um, when it comes to just, like, changing in front of people or anything like that. I think it's just because of, like, me being a cheerleader and a dancer and, you know, a theater actor and things like that. You're just kind of like, eh, whatever, so-and-so's naked, keep it moving, and people don't care. So I really, at this point, I'm just like, okay, great, so I just get naked, I hop back in my leather pants, put my heels on, you know, you get all these things. Well, now I have to walk through these double doors and all of these male inmates are getting transferred. And when I tell you this is a true walk of shame and not a walk of shame, like, oh my God, I just bummed that guy. I barely knew. And then I'm going home in the same. No, this is a true walk of shame, every single one of those men, I couldn't even hold my head up, I was looking down because I was fresh meat, baby, they saw my leather pants, and my heels, and what I was wearing, and all of that, and they were just like, ooh, who is this, yeah, they were definitely having some thoughts in their head, and I could literally feel it, like, intuitively I don't know how to explain it other than like they were looking at me as if I was full-blown naked and it was just it was one of the most uncomfortable feelings of my life so a true walk of shame we go through another set of doors right and I finally am like getting my belongings I'm getting my this my that My phone, I'm turning my phone on, I'm waiting for my friends, I go outside, I'm finally outside, I'm free-ish, right, okay, so I'm waiting for Jackie to come, and I'm just happy I'm not in there, right, well, there's the other woman who is in, who is in jail with me, um, she is, she gets out too, and She was like, no, 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 no. And I was like, what's going on? And she goes, my phone's dead. And I was like, oh, no. And she just starts telling me her story about how she's supposed to leave to see her family in California in two days. And she spent that money to bail herself out of jail. And she doesn't know what she's going to do. And, you know, we're just kind of exchanging stories. And my heart just broke for her. And, yes, we made mistakes. We made bad, bad choices, right? But we just kind of got each other, you know, and I felt so bad for her that her phone was dead. So she had no way of getting home. So the least I could do was get get her an Uber. So I was like, I'm going to Uber you home. Like, where do you live? Like, give me your address. She's like, no, you don't have to do that. I'll figure it out. And I was like, no, you're not going to be able to figure it out. And you need to go home. And we both need a shower and we need to sleep. So I got her an Uber, and finally Jackie comes, and I have a Starbucks coffee and a protein box in the backseat waiting for me, and that is a dipper right there. Couldn't drink, barely drink the coffee and or eat because I was just such a wreck, but her and her husband just let me cry, let me vent and they took me to their apartment at the time and she's like I'm just gonna run some essential oils in the steamer and then I'm gonna I'm gonna run you a shower and I was like oof thank you because I'm dirty I'm exhausted I'm tired so I literally washed the jail (laughs) filth right off of me and um, I fall asleep for like eh, two or three hours. And then I wake up to my friend saying, hey, um, we got to go get your car because they impounded it. And I was like, what? But I was home. Like they should have just left it parked on the street because I was home. And he was like, No. They impounded it and we have to go get it because the longer it's there, the more money it's going to cost. And I'm like, oh my fucking God, like, well, how much is it? Blah, blah, blah. And this is a true testament to friendship. He was like, don't worry about it. I have the money. We just have to go. So I get my car out of the, I don't know, impound or whatever the tow company, who they make a fucking killing because I think that was a little shy of $500 just to get my car back. So, and I'm, and I'm saying that number because eventually I'm going to tell you how much all of this literally cost me on a monetary level and it's sickening. Okay. But, um, so I, I get back to their apartment I don't drive. Jackie drives. Her husband drives me back. She drive. I think she drives my car back. I think that's how that went. I'm still just like, I'm literally incapable of like functioning. I'm just so, I'm just such a mess at that point. And um, I'm finally able to like maybe eat a little. And I was like, I really need to go back to sleep. So at that time, Moana came out, and I, I was like, oh, I did want to watch this, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to watch this movie, I guess, right now. And Moana will always hold such a special place in my heart, because when I was going through this, and even a couple weeks and a month later, I was still very depressed, And I literally watched that movie on fucking repeat for months after my absolute lowest of lows on the emotional roller coaster. And so it's funny because at this point, you know, like I said, by the time I was like 29 turning 30, I was still, again, we're on the roller coaster, right? And so I'm still going up and I'm tick, 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 tick. And I'm up, but by the time I'm charged with my DUI, I'm, whoom, all the way down the fucking hill. And, you know, shit happens and roller coasters get stuck and I'm stuck down the hill now. So I'm like, okay, literally down on the lowest of lows and now I feel stuck. Do you know what I'm saying? So that, I guess that's the best way to put it. So, um, shout out to the creators of Moana. You actually were able to, like, create a happy place for me for the two hours of my deep, deep depression. Um, (laughs) so, I, mind you, I still have to go to work on a Monday morning as if, nothing happened. And I'm a professional and I'm actually a very private person in a lot of ways. Um, especially when it comes to myself, my personal life, my relationships, that sort of thing. So I really was, um, what I did was I called my colleague who is also my friend and I told her what happened and she goes, wow. Okay. All right. Um, this is this is the game plan. This is what we should do. Um, let me know what I can do to help. But we got to finish out, you know, this summer and on the assignment that we were on, and um, we got to make it work. And I'm here for you. And you know, there's friends and th- people that are like, "Yes, I'm here for me, here for you." And then th- those are your, like your rider or dies. And I'm so fucking lucky. I have like three or four like ride or dies at this time in my life. And I'm like, what did I do to deserve such awesome friends? Um, and I just get a little verklempt just thinking about it. Because, you know, mind you, I'm thousands of miles away from family And when you are so far away from family, you really do create your second family and your friends. And um, my friends were my family. So I just I'm so lucky to have and continue to have the support, even though me and my very close friends don't even live close together at all. So, I'm I'm definitely lucky in that uh, category. But, um, you know, I finish out this summer. I make it work. But I also am in a position where, like, you have to get a particular license. And you have to go through all the legal stuff, mind you. So, I called... Um, a friend actually a previous employer she is an attorney and her husband is a judge and I said can you meet me at Starbucks <laughs> I'm in a pickle so I call her shamefully tell her what happened um thank god she was so just empathetic and understanding and all of that and um she gives me a recommendation to an attorney that I should hire, and I was like, dang, I really wish I could just have you, and she's like, I'm not a criminal attorney, and if you didn't blow, I would totally take your case, and like, I could I could do it, but you did blow, which is an admission of guilt, so this is going to be a tough one, and I'm like, great, awesome love it. So the first attorney I go to, he literally almost like just, he, the way he's talking to me makes me feel even worse because when you're in these low situations and you made the mistake, nobody can beat you up more than you have beaten yourself up. And I was in this, this low, low place And I couldn't really tell anybody except for my very close circle because I was so ashamed. And going to this attorney and having this guy just like completely made me feel like the day after I got out of jail all over again. You know, I'm like, didn't get a good feeling about him. And she goes, I always tell people, go with your gut. And if I know he's tough, and he's good, and he could probably, you know, really help you with your case, Um, but intuitively, if you are not feeling it, do not hire him, and I took her advice, and I did not hire him. I hired a female attorney um, in, uh, in St. Pete, actually out of St. Pete. So I, um, hired her and she, uh, just listened and she was able to just like, you know, kind of give me a game plan and a strategy. And then I needed to come up with (laughs) $2,500 and I was like, "Uh, okay, I have 401k. I'm going to pull out of that because mind you, the shame and the guilt, the shame and the guilt, I can't express it enough. I just thought there's no fucking way at 30 years old, I'm going to call my parents and be like, Hey dad. Um, so I got a DUI and I need $2,500. Yeah, no, I wasn't going to do that. So I pulled, um, from my IRA and I knew there was a tax penalty and all that, but I was, excuse me. I was really just trying to do, I was doing my best. Uh, I actually say that all the time, but I, it, but it's genuinely true. I was just doing my best and I was just trying to problem solve and f- fix my fuck up, you know? And for listeners who have been affected by drunk drivers, I know this episode probably really can be triggering to you. I don't want, um, for you to finish this episode or feel like you need to continue to listen or what have you, I am literally just telling my story and I just want everybody to, um, know that I realize the severity of the situation and how, you know, I put other people's lives in danger. So at any rate, um, I hire the attorney, the female attorney, because, Girls rule boys drool, duh. And um I just slowly kind of start figuring shit out. You know? Couple months later I tell my parents, you know, um, I'm I'm in limbo at this point, you know? They're like, Well, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? You know, they're asking all the questions and I was like, Yeah, that's taken care of. Yeah, that's done. This is done. Like if anything I fucking owned it. Lisa Renna style owned it, okay? And if you're um, a viewer of Beverly um, Beverly Hills Housewives, you know what I'm saying. But I really owned it. I owned it in a major, major way. And I still own it, you know? Um, but I, I took care of my shit, you know? So um, I adulted and, and did what I had to do. So, mind you, these court systems and all of this stuff, like Florida pff, does not play when it comes to um, DUI cases. Puh, honey, let me tell you what I had to go through. So, by the time everything really ended, I go to a couple of court appearances. Sometimes my attorney does it for me, I plead no contest. I mean,. Bitch, it's all public record. And one day, maybe I'll just put my mugshot on an actual mug or t-shirt. Because my mugshot says, don't mess with me, bitch. But also it says, I can't fucking believe this is happening. I mean, it's actually an iconic picture. Again, I can laugh about this now because I find the comedy in it. But then I was like, oh, shame. But at the same time, you go through all of this and you go through court and you did it and, you know, I this this choice I made, this bad choice I made was. It was crazy how the the consequences truly trickled down, I lost a, I got hired for a job, I lost that job because of it, um, I was fired from that job because of it, like I then the same day I Did get fired from that job was the same day I applied for the job downtown at the uh, Performing Arts Center, um, which was a complete game changer for me, too, in a lot of ways. So it's funny that one, you know, opportunity, I should say, that didn't go so well led to one that went really well. But at any rate, I um, at the same time, this is, I would say, uh, September, October time frame or what have you. And um, somebody bought my building and my um, shitty lease was not upholding. And basically they're like, you have one month to leave. Like we're terminating your lease early and there's nothing you can do about it. And I was like, <gasps> Okay, great. So now I'm I'm literally trying to find a new job, find a new home, and I'm dealing with my legal issues. Low. Again, I'm still stuck on that roller coaster, y'all. I'm still stuck at the bottom. I'm still stuck at the bottom here, right? And, oh, a hurricane's coming. Ugh. Okay, yeah, let's just take shelter and figure it out. Okay, got it. So, I end up uh, living for a very short, short amount of time, um, living with another girl I know in the middle of the hood, I ain't gonna lie, Um, but I've lived in the hood before, so I was like, I ain't scared, like, let me just fucking do my shit, mind my business, and carry on, you know, Um, and then the hurricane comes, and... We are literally out of power for, like, a week. Thankfully, I have a really special and amazing friend that I met in college, and I stayed with her and her parents up in northern Tampa um, during the hurricane because they're like, you have nowhere to go. Like, come stay with us. Funny enough, her dad was a criminal lawyer for a very long time. Now, he is a judge. So it's hurricane time, and I'm like, so I have this going on. And he was like, what? Why didn't you call me? Why didn't, you know... You have people who are like, why didn't you say, why didn't you, I could help you. Like, I could do, you know, you, but you don't think of it when you're in the thick of it. You know what I mean? Like, you don't think, oh, let me call my friend's dad. <laughs> I'm in a pickle and I'm 30 years old. Let me call my friend's dad. No, I was just, I was just doing what I had to do. And I really was very private about it um, because I had to handle my business and I didn't really know how to, articulate or explain myself and uh, again shame and guilt it was it was a lot of shame and guilt so I actually um you know realized that this new place I'm living in is still really heavily affected by the hurricane like we don't have power for a few days and then the toilets don't flush and work and I am thankfully getting hired at this new position, um, which is just right up my alley, but pays absolutely no money (laughs) because, you know, the arts. Um, so I'm, but I'm like, whatever, it's a job. I'm just gonna hustle and, um, I'll still bartend on the side and I will make this work. Like I'm going to make this work. So I get hired for that job. Um, a few weeks later, I finally get out of my horrendous living situation. That's for another episode at another time. And, um, you know, I feel like okay, I'm finally getting getting a little little bit of hang in this, feeling a little bit a little bit better. Not totally, but a little bit. So now at this point on the roller coaster, I'm starting to go back up another hill, but it's a baby hill. It's like, you know, the big peaks and valleys. And this is a this is a little bit of a of a valley. I'm going through. Okay? And I'm going up up up. That's a little bit on the valley. I'm not stuck anymore at least, right? So I'm like, okay, got a job. Check. I'm still bartending, so I have two jobs. Check, check. Um I'm you know, my case is almost over. I have my final court date in a month, okay? That's almost over. I'm just going to figure out how that's going to work out. Um, I got a new apartment. I'm back to living on the island where I like and prefer. And, back, you know, back in my old neighborhood. It's affordable. It's fucking tiny. I lived in a 388 square foot apartment. Um, but it was doable. I can do this. I can do this. I just kept saying one day at a time. It's almost, it's, and it's truly... Truly, truly, one day at a time. That's all you can do. One day at a time, one freaking, you know, hour at a time, one minute at a time. And that's literally how I had to take it. So I um, get my final court date. I go to court and she's like, all right, this is what's going to happen. And she basically tells me like, "Mm, the plea deal didn't, didn't really work out in our favor completely. Um... But we can contest it. But that's going to cost you another $1,500. And I'm like, sis, I don't have that money. So I just have to face the music. And give me whatever happens. And she goes, chances are you're going to be on probation. You're going to have to do some community service. You can buy out half your community service. So everything that she said, chances are what's going to happen, this is going to happen, is what happened. So by the time I walk into my final quarter date, I already know what's going to be going down your girl was on probation for six seven months something like that almost eight months I was sentenced to probation for a year but eligible for early termination so I had to finish paying my fines which was an outstanding amount you when you are put on probation you do have to pay a monthly fee um, which was around like a hundred bucks a month you have to, I paid out half of my community service. I still had to do the other half of my community service. I had to do DUI school. I had to take online classes. I had, I mean, a laundry list of things I had to do. So that probation part was, who a doozy. Um, so I'm finally getting the hang of it. But then they're like, oh, yeah, you're not going to have your license until you know what they tell me December 2021 or something like that and I was like what that's a long ass fucking time that's years that's I'm not gonna have my license for years and they're like you can have your license if you a b and c basically pay an ass ton of money um that I did not have monthly just to have a certain amount of kind of insurance and all of that. And I was just like, I can't do that. So thankfully I lived really close to work. Uber and Lyft was an option. My car was paid off. I was just making it work, you know? And that's exactly what I did. And I am just so incredibly thankful again for my friends and now my colleagues at this time who, you know, even before I got hired, I was like, Hey, I just want to be completely transparent with you because with my last job, I was told to not be. And that cost me the job. (laughs) Um, so I just want to let you know, this is where I'm at. This is what's happening in my life. And I just want to be upfront. And she goes, okay, I appreciate that. I really don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, but I will let you know. So getting that phone call saying, it's okay, we're going to hire you anyway. I cried. I cried out of just sheer joy and gratitude. Really not joy because I wasn't experiencing joy. I should just say out of sheer gratitude. Have you ever been so thankful you cried? I have. And that was that moment. And it gets me verklemmed. Just thinking about it now. So when you are in these moments of sheer gratitude, but also you are at your... You're right. You're at the valley. Things are really starting to look up, but you have work to do and money to pay that you don't have. You start getting resourceful because I didn't really have any other choice. You know, I'm a grown ass woman. I made a mistake and I have to clean it up and I have to just get it done and do what I have to do. And That was my 30 pause moment, you know, this was one of them and that was it just being at your absolute lowest and getting support from friends and being able to actually think outside the box a little bit and just get really, really fucking resourceful because that's what I had to do. You know, so I'm finally working a steady job that provides me, um, shitty pay, but insurance and all the things you need as an adult, right? I'm working evenings and weekends, bartending, um, Ubering back and forth as much as I can. um. I have friends in the midst of this all that are like, yeah, I'll I'll pick you up. I'll give you a ride. You don't have to Uber, things like that. Just like those little kind gestures I will always do for others because I know what it feels like to be, you know, on the fritz and in a bad place. So that is my phase one of my 30 pause moment. I actually have three phases. And so I'm going to continue on and share um, my other phases, I guess you would say. I think this is like a three-parter, maybe. I don't know. We're just going to keep going. Um, But I'm going to give you a little bit of break right now. Let that all soak in. And I really appreciate you listening to my story. And um, I hope that you're able to connect, even if there's, you know. Not crazy parallels to the actual situational things that happen, but to, you know, moments of when you're just at your fucking lowest and you have to rely on your instincts, your resourcefulness, and a really fucking badass crew. Of friends and support that I had because without my family and friends' support through this process, definitely wouldn't have made it. So thank you all so much for joining me. Um, for riding this ride. We're still on the in the valley. We're going up another hill. We're not quite there. But thanks for hopping on the emotional roller coaster of my 30 pause moment. Freddy Boss.